The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024. I still want to say 2023, but it is 2024 here in Auburn, Alabama. He is Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins with you in the studio on this Wednesday afternoon. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well. Nasty day outside, man. Uncle T-Bone, you said coming in here, if it's going to be this bad of weather, it may as well just snow. Yeah, I mean, no kidding. I mean, just stay at home, build a fire. I mean, we'd still get here <laughs> because the show must go on, right, in That's 2024 right. and keep you company for the next two hours. I tell you what, it feels weird. It's 2024 already. I wrote a check uh, this morning. Uh, people still do that, Jacob. Actually write one, and I put wow. 2023, and then I tried to correct it, and then the check got messed up, and I had to void the whole thing. So <laughs> um, I'm with you. It, it, it feels a little weird, but uh, welcome aboard, everybody, to 106.7 on the line. Give us a ring at 334-321-1390. We had a great show yesterday to kick off the new year. Yeah, we did. We had a lot of things that we had planned on talking about, and were suffocated by the Music City Bowl. We'll, of course, continue to talk about Auburn football moving forward. There's some news in the transfer portal or possible news breaking here soon there was some news breaking yesterday with some entries into the transfer portal that Auburn may be interested in we've got Auburn basketball last night that was a very interesting game you were there I watched it on TV got a lot of thoughts on that uh we still haven't had a chance to really talk about the college football playoff that happened on New Year's uh day I know and uh, we got a national championship game coming up with SEC basketball starting this weekend so there is a lot going on folks yes there is and we're going to do our best to cover it here on the show today it is wednesday which means it's rivalry wednesday which also means we'll have jordan hill of dogs 247 our georgia beat writer who joins us every wednesday talking about those georgia bulldogs and i'm really curious to get his thoughts on how he thinks georgia would have done in the playoff playing any of those four teams that's one of my main questions i'm going to ask him today because there's a lot of people that think georgia would have handled their own and probably be playing for a national championship come monday you know, they listen. I think that there were several teams in the top 10 this year for the first time in a long time that could have gone into one of those final four games and easily won. Yeah. I can promise you, you didn't want to get Missouri at full strength, you didn't want to get Ohio State at very full strength, even with Tate Rodmaker. Uh, Oregon, you know that. Hey, what Dak say about them yesterday? He, you know, one of our one of our favorite callers. He was like, "You want no part of them." I can promise you, if Tate Rodmaker had been one hundred percent healthy and everyone didn't opt out with Florida State, they would have been a tough challenge. That was a very tough defense. And then, of course, there's Georgia. You know, look, if Ole Miss had somehow slipped in, you probably wouldn't want to play them either. No. So this is one of the reasons why the playoffs are expanding. But you know, I hate it for Jordan Hill and I hate it for the dogs. And yeah, they could have easily made some type of argument to be in because it kind of seems like 
on-the-field results don't always matter. And if they played Alabama again at full strength, I think they could have beat them. They could have beat Michigan. But they could have also lost those games. Someone had to get left out. This year it was the most people ever. Yeah, it was. And so we'll talk to Jordan Hill about Georgia, about their dominant win over Florida State and how much it really means. Uh, So that'll be coming up at 2.30 at the bottom of the first hour here. Then in hour number two, we'll get to talk to Austin Hannon of Bama Central about the Alabama Crimson Tide losing in the college football playoff and getting his thoughts on Uh, that the future of Nick Saban the future of Alabama football and then a little basketball as well so lots to talk about with those two gentlemen outside of that phone lines are open give us a call what's on your mind on this Wednesday afternoon 334-321-1390 that number again 334-321-1390 let's start with a little basketball from last night Uncle T-Bone Auburn takes on Penn they host him in Neville Arena final regular season non-conference game and they win 88-68. to 68. Uh, Some people were not fans of the final three that Penn took for uh, some <laughs> entertainment purposes, but Auburn gets a 20-point win. They extend their home non-conference winning streak to 54 games. Uncle T-Bone, that's the longest streak in the country. I mean, that is a tough place to play over there in Neville Arena, and it's going to get nothing but tougher uh, moving into the uh, what I call the second third of the season. I was thinking about this coming in. I've alluded to this a few times on air. I like to break the college basketball season down into three thirds. The first third, obviously, what I kind of call the preseason, although it really it very much counts. That's your non-conference schedule, which Auburn's played a dandy of one, and, and under Bruce Pearl has continued to play just a fantastic uh, non-conference schedule against you know teams that are highly ranked, against teams that are solid, um, that teams have different types of styles. Right. That helps them way down the road. Now we're getting into the second third of the season, uh, st- uh, of the basketball season starting this Saturday at Bud Walton Arena in Arkansas. And that's the meat of the season. That's conference play. And then, uh, and then, of course, the last third of the season being post uh, non uh, being postseason play. Hopefully, you want to take that as long as you can to right. the bitter end. So, uh, Penn uh, was a twenty one and a half point underdog last mm-hmm. night. Tigers win eighty eight to sixty eight. That's Hey-o. a twenty. I'm no math major, you know. <laughs> I'm I'm a writer, not a mathematician. That's right. But uh, eighty eight sixty eight. That's twenty points. Tigers don't cover. Then boys in Vegas seem to know what they're doing. I I watched a lot of the first half. Very impressed, obviously, by how Auburn shot the three ball last night. Penn was bound and determined not to have Auburn physically playing up in the lane, and that's fine at Neville Arena. You're going to pay the price for that. Yeah, you are. And look, Auburn. Auburn came out in uh, in that first half and played like they have been pretty much all season long. They came out. They got to a big lead. They dominated the first half. Uh, you were up 51-32 to 32 in that first half, and things are going well. Things are fine. Uh, guys are hitting shots. The ball's moving around. You're not turning it over. Every, Auburn's doing exactly what they've done all season long, and you put 51 points up in the first half, and you're feeling good, right? You're thinking, all right, this is going to be another triple-digit performance, that which would be the third one of the year. And then you get into the second half when you're up on a lesser opponent, And Auburn did it again. They just kind of let up. They started chunking threes, didn't make many of them, and they let their talent win them this game. And Bruce Pearl was not happy about it because there have been very few times this season, Uncle T-Bone, that Auburn has put together 40 straight minutes of basketball. And 
it's not, you know, it's the problem's not in a game against Penn at home in early January. Right. The problem is late February, early March when you're playing Kentucky and Alabama and Tennessee and Arkansas and Ole Miss when you're trying to put 40 minutes of game together. If you don't practice that way, you won't play that way. And that's what gets Bruce Pearl so fired up. Yeah, you know, look, Double D, Daryl Dafford said it yesterday that Penn was looking to kind of make this uh, their type of game. Uh, I didn't quite understand what he was talking about that. I I was kind of thinking, well, this is an Ivy League team. They're going to be like a Princeton. There's going to be this backdoor stuff. There's going to be all these threes being hucked up. Uh, Penn was a physical basketball team, much more physical than I thought they would be. I'm not going to say they were chippy because that alludes to a lot of talk. I'm not going to say they were dark. 30 because that that's a whole different ball game it's not like Dallas Turner was out there playing basketball yesterday against Auburn but I will say that they threw a a lot of uh questionable close to foul elbows there were some hard screens they were all over Auburn it almost seemed like to me that they were trying to make this game kind of a street fight kind of a back uh kind of a a back alley brawl to see if they could get under Auburn's skin yeah see if they could get Auburn a little uh flustered and Tigers just weren't buying it I mean they were just like all right we'll take our threes we're better than you it's all good but I'm with you it is a little concerning to me because I've, I've alluded to this also a couple of times in the lead-in to 2024 in conference play. I'm looking for a couple of Tigers to really get a little bit more physical because I watched that Pitt-North Carolina game before the Auburn game. Yeah, that was a good one. And that was a good one. And let me tell you what, those two teams – were very physical. Now, Pitt got uh, taken out late pretty bad by North Carolina, but they hung in there for about five minutes. Mm-hmm. And, and and if you don't, in conference play, have a couple of guys that can, I don't know, I mean, I don't want to call them enforcers. I sure don't want to call them goons. But you got to have somebody <laughs> who's close to kind of like a little bit of your own Rick Mahorn, Bill Lambeer type there down there. Yes. Because when you go into Rupp Love Arena – Teams aren't going to want to get into a three-point shooting contest with Auburn. Teams aren't definitely not going to want to get into a transition game against Auburn because that is Bruce Pearl's bread and butter. Mm-hmm. They're going to want to get physical, push Janai Broom around a lot like Alabama did uh, last year late in the game in Coleman Coliseum to get back into that game and hope the refs aren't going to call it when they should have, right? Right, And they're going to want to try and make this a little bit more physical game. And that's when my man Dylan Cardwell and Jalen Williams and Baker Mazier and Trey Donaldson and those type guys, I'm not saying they're soft by any means, but I want to see them get a little bit tougher. I'd like to see somebody got thrown down or kind of pushed down hard last night because that's the University of Pennsylvania. You don't come in here and elbow Auburn Tigers, baby. Yeah, and here's the thing with Penn. I mean, they were, again, they were 21.5 point underdogs on the road at one of the toughest places to play in college basketball. That's a team that beat Villanova. It's also a team that got waxed by about 30 before they came into this game against Houston. So Who's really good now. Who's very good. And so... If you're Penn, right, if you're that opposing squad, you've got to do something to throw this Auburn team sure. off. And so, sure, they probably did come in and say, you know what, let's go bang these guys around a little bit and see, yeah. if they, see how they react. They just didn't realize they were dealing with this type of an Auburn team, playing their first game as a ranked top 25 team, by the way. And Auburn responded exactly how you wanted them to. And they didn't bend, they didn't break, and they fun- they punched back, and, and Auburn's just fine. And the good thing is... They're so deep, right? We talk about that so much with this team because it is the 
key factor for this team. It is the one thing that truly separates this Auburn team from any other team I've watched in college basketball this year. Auburn's depth is real. It's not just, yeah, we have some guys that can play here and there for six or seven minutes. No. They have 10 legitimate players that will play double-digit minutes and can lead you in scoring just about any night other than maybe Dylan Cardwell. But he's still a solid player, and he is so much improved from what he was a year ago when he comes in for Jani Broom. But you get what I'm saying here. That separates this Auburn team. And so when somebody like Penn comes in and tries to throw you off your game, may work against one player, but you've got nine more that are good enough and it won't affect them. So that was good to see. But there is a problem with Auburn becoming a little just – free and and just kind of not caring is not the word I term I want to use but just kind of going with the flow in these second halves and you want to believe that they're good enough and smart enough and and well coached enough to where let's say Saturday they don't go into the second half against Arkansas and just play like that You, you you hope that's not the case and I don't think it will be but I get why Bruce Pearl's so upset I do I understand completely yeah, Tigers now 11-2 and two after the victory last night over the Penn Quakers. Shot the three ball very well, especially in the first half. You know, that's kind of been the M.O. for Auburn the last couple of years. Uh, teams allowing them to shoot the three more and more, which is, you know, a complete uh, opposite of what teams would have done when Auburn went on that Final Four run and the next year when they could just shoot your eyes out from the three-point line, right? So teams are like, all right, look, we're going to let you shoot the three. You're not going to beat us in side and then now all of a sudden Auburn's shooting the three ball way way better than they have been Mm -hmm. in the past couple years and that probably caught Penn a little off guard when you've got big guys also like Janai Broom who is much leaner and meaner looking he's obviously been in the weight room over the past year and you got him and you got Jalen Williams and you got these guys out there with some length that can knock back a three, you're, you will cause some major issues to uh, to teams like Kentucky. They're going to have to come out there and guard that with their big men, right? But I just don't want Auburn to live and die by the three. That's something that you see a team like Alabama did last year. And when you're off, especially in key moments in the tournament, you're done. 39 bench points last night for Auburn. You scored 88 total points, and 39 of those were off the bench and that's solid that is really really strong your second leading scorer of the ball game was Chad Baker Mazar with 16 he just continues to get better he continues to shoot the ball better his confidence is through the roof uh Katie Johnson was your third leading scorer uh no fourth leading scorer excuse me with 11 and then your leading scorer was Janai Broom you mentioned him with 24 and then Denver Jones with a quiet 12 but he's starting to get a little confidence in that shooting stroke as well here's what's huge here Aiden Holloway your superstar freshman who can shoot lights out, can get to the rack, can finish at the rim, shoot free throws. This guy's a scorer. He only had three points last night, but he had six assists. He didn't shoot the ball well, but he didn't let that stop him. He didn't let that affect him. He got involved in other ways. And six assists from your point guard there. Denver Jones had one assist. Here's your other guard stats here. KD Johnson, again, he had 11 points. He had four assists. All your guards combined, and Trey Donaldson, who had three assists, 13 assists to one turnover for your guards. Out of four of them, that is championship-level guard play. Something Auburn has not had across the board, maybe ever, 
Well, man, you know, I tell you what, the guard play has definitely improved. I love Trey Donaldson. I think all around he's just probably maybe my favorite player on that team. You throw in KD Johnson off the bench, and you said it, the bench scoring is so big for Auburn. It's because they're so deep. They said it last night on the broadcast that Auburn's one of the top teams in the country with minutes played by players off the bench. Somewhere around 40% of the minutes so far this year have come off the bench. I mean, that's remarkable. Um, I don't know how that's going to look. I think it'll get a little bit less, obviously, in uh, in in conference play. But who knows? And look, you know, I, I said it in football season. I still say it in Hugh we trust. But definitely in Bruce we trust. I can't just believe also that he's, you know, he gets an 18-, 20-point lead. He might be working on some stuff putting some scenarios out there in that second well half. he's one of those coaches yeah. that's never satisfied in a good way right, right? i so, mean that's just how he is yeah so i mean and i think that you know obviously he's still he's he's still working through his rotations and he, they're going to be set and ready to go when they go into conference play um and look i'm not trying to say that watch out tigers we're in trouble they're 11 and 2 they're about eight nine wins from being a definite uh, tournament team and that should be very gettable in the SEC but to open up in Arkansas it's a little haunting for Auburn fans they've had some real issues up there that's a tough place to play yeah but you know I was in Atlanta when Auburn played Indiana and they're no joke of a basketball program and the Tigers the Tigers took it up a notch they took it up a couple of levels and when you go out there and I forgot about my man when I was saying you need some enforcers out there uh Katie Johnson's still on the team and he's he's the badger out there the and psycho when, that he is and when and when you, you know, whirling dervish is what they called him last night on television <laughs> which is totally right when you unleash him on a team and he gets going both offensively but especially defensively you better watch out oh absolutely and that's what's good is Auburn has so many threats so many weapons offensively defensively in transition both ways and just hustle plays i mean auburn Mm -hmm. this is a such a fun team to watch and when you start getting into some of these good sec games like we're going to see this saturday against arkansas it's going to be a lot of fun auburn defeats Penn 88 to 68 last night in neville arena they wrap up non-conference play they do open up with arkansas this saturday on the road give us a call what are your thoughts about the game the team so far as they are top 25 and looking to take down the hogs this weekend 334-321-1390 i'll leave you with this before we go to the break some football transfer portal news uh that we got a tweet from uh jeff jeff gossin on twitter he tweeted at me he said didn't know if y'all saw this but as of about 30 minutes ago seth mclaughlin the alabama center who uh didn't have his best game in the national or the uh, college football playoff semifinals he's entered the transfer portal yeah he gone we'll talk about that and some more college football news when we come back here on the wednesday edition of on the line you are on the line on espn 1067 online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Back inside the studio here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins. Joining me in the studio as he does every Monday, Wednesday, Friday is my co-host Uncle T-Bone here talking a little Auburn football, Auburn basketball, football in general. And I left you with the uh, news in the transfer portal. I don't think this affects Auburn in any way. But it does affect the team across the state, and something that was a huge talking point coming out of the college football playoff semifinals. Alabama starting center Seth McLaughlin has entered the transfer portal. You ask who that is? That's the center that had a few bad snaps, one including the final play where Alabama was unable to get into the end zone to score a touchdown. Not overly surprising here, Uncle Tebow. Yeah, can he play guard or maybe tackle? (laughs) 
and you know we'll talk to him about possibly coming over uh i think we're good at center and the future is very sound there but auburn probably could use a couple of extra uh offensive linemen moving into 2024 out of the transfer portal and i hate it for the kid he had a rough night and apparently had a rough season and i've kind of sensed a little uh shift in the uh, alabama nation on the local airwaves listening today uh especially in the river region with Doug and them that, you know, I think Alabama fans were more in kind of shock and mourning yesterday. And now the anger is starting to set in. And I told some friends of mine, as we get closer to Monday, watch out, Tide fans going to get angry and angrier that they're not there. Who knows if uh, Mr. McLaughlin was shown the door or he decided it was just the best exit stage left. Let's be honest. They he said you gotta go. I mean, let, we can we can dance around yeah. it, but we well, can be well, we can be pretty we can be pretty certain that it, we, we may be wrong. Yeah, we could be been wrong before. Been wrong before, and it won't be our last. <laughs> but there's a pretty good chance after that performance, they said, yeah, well, he was a three star coming out of high school, and right. he started 25 games over his three years, and after that, which you could say a couple of those bad snaps were the reason Alabama lost. Yeah, he he was told to leave. Well, the good news is we'll be able to talk to Austin Hannon about it in the second yeah. hour. So, uh, you know, that's the kind of uh, deep intel you get here at On the Line that's with right. Jacob Goins. I love it. That's but, right. Uh, that's right. I'll say this. Uh, you know, look, if you've ever played sports and made a tremendous mistake, and I think that we all have if you've ever played sports, it, it's really painful. And, uh, you know, I hate to, to single out anybody. There was a bevy of mistakes made by Alabama in that football game. And as a team, you know, you're taught you if someone's struggling, you got to overcome them. Um, I've watched that last play, Jacob, and I want to get your thoughts on this. I have watched that last play from different angles about 20 times. The Alabama figure. final yeah, play? Yeah, uh, the, against Michigan in the uh, in the Rose Bowl in the semifinal game where, where Jalen Milrow was stuffed at the two-yard line. Uh, and I cannot still figure out exactly what the play call was truly. Now – some people are saying that it was an RP, it was going to be a swing pass out to the tailback or whoever was in the backfield that went into motion and that he was wide open. And then some people are saying it was going to be an RPO where there was an option. I kind of feel like that that play was you send the guy out into the flat, Jalen Milrow does a quick fake and then follows the guard into the over to the left side into the end zone. Uh, and I think that Michigan gambled that Jalen Milrow was never going to release that ball. But if you watch Alabama's offensive line on that play, and I've watched it 15, 20 times, it looks like to me that some people on that offensive line were run blocking, and some people on the right side of that offensive line looked like they were pass blocking. I think there was a tremendous amount of confusion still after the multiple timeouts on what type of play Alabama was going to run, and it was exasperated by that bad snap, and and Milrow freaked out once that snap went low. Yeah, well, Saban already said, like, they had to call a new play every time. They they called a different play in each timeout, and they finally settled on that one. And there is no doubt, give Michigan a ton of credit, they blew that play up from they the did. beginning. And Alabama missed a couple of blocks. I think you're, you're, you're accurate about there being some confusion on the Alabama line about what exactly was supposed to be happening and which way they were supposed to be guarding and blocking. And then, I just don't... Here's my biggest thing. I don't understand why that's the play call. How is that your go-to, gotta-have-it, gotta-win play call? And if that is, 
running straight up the middle towards the defense is about the worst possible option because this isn't a tush-push situation when you're on the goal line, right? You're still... They'd have been better running a tush-push. Probably. I mean, they just it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. Give it to your guy that peeled out to the left and have him have all that open space, a couple of receivers to block, and let him make a play or, like you said, he was supposed to follow the guard and get Milrow out in space. That's where he's yeah. his best and most dangerous. Oh, no question. Why are we it. running him straight up the middle? I don't get it. I listened to an Alabama guy on a show earlier this morning who explained that being on the right side of that hash mark was just bad luck for the Tide because rolling Milrow out to the left and making him throw across his body was not in the cards. But I don't like the play up the middle. And I said this still about the 4th and 31, and I'm going to pound on it forever. They should have brought somebody from with a little pressure on that on that right side of the Alabama offensive line and made Milrow roll out to the left and throw it across his body. Oh, man. 4th and 31. It'll live in our in our brains forever. But when we come back, Jordan Hill of yeah. Dogs 247. But so will 4th and 3rd, so yeah. how about that? How about that? Jordan Hill joins us when we come back. We'll talk all things Georgia football and get his thoughts on the college football playoff. With Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Rivalry Wednesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 1067. He is Uncle Tebow and I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067, the Auburn Opelika sports leader. We have this guy on every Wednesday and happy to have him on to start 2024. It's Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, our Georgia beat writer who is so gracious with his time coming on the Auburn Radio Waves to talk a little Georgia athletics. Jordan, happy new year, man. Hope you're doing well. Hey, happy new year, guys. And yeah, doing great. Had a nice little week in Miami and uh, watched what I guess you would call a football game on Saturday. But uh, definitely a good start to 2024 and uh, definitely a good uh, good sign to start the week off uh, talking to you guys. Well, let's uh, let's talk about that game a little bit. If, like you said, if that's what you if that's what you want to call it. I mean, here's what here's the thing, Jordan. We knew that was going to happen, right? Everybody in the world knew that was going to happen, and then we watched it happen, and then we react to what happened. And and Kirby Smart had a lot of things to say. We'll get into that, but just your there's not a whole lot of breakdown of the game here. It's more of the situation here, Jordan, about the Georgia team and of course the Florida State team. What 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 do you have to say about all that yeah i thought uh my co-worker benjamin Wolk. uh he, he said it best saying that uh, kirby smart was gonna fix college football 160 point win at a time i mean you know it, it was just a situation you know credit to florida state i thought they played a really good first quarter i think it was maybe seven to nothing seven to three something like that early on and i mean it, it just came down to the fact that florida state didn't have its guys in this game georgia took advantage i think they scored 42 in the first half alone I've been telling people this week, you know, my work was pretty much done at halftime. I mean, I pretty much wrote everything I needed to say because there was nothing left that you needed to say about that game. That's the dream, isn't it, Jordan? Oh, yeah, I wasn't complaining. (laughs) I always tell people it's always nice, uh, you know, either way, if the game is kind of decided, we kind of get a head start on our work. But, no, I I thought that Kirby Smart after the game kind of said all that needed to be said. And I don't think it was, you know, him sort of being disparaging to Florida State or taking a shot at them at all. He understood that because of all these opt-outs, all the guys who had 
um, you know, started to prepare for the NFL draft or decided they were going to leave Florida State and transfer elsewhere. But that wasn't really the Florida State team that Georgia played on Saturday. And you know, he said something needs to change. What that is, I, I'm not sure, but uh, it definitely was, you know, for me as a fan of college football, it was disappointing to watch because that had the makings of the best non-playoff game. You know, the two teams really on the outside looking in of the playoff. And just to get two brands like Florida State and Georgia playing, you know, it, it on paper should have been a really, really you know, entertaining game. It just wasn't, and uh, it's sort of the product of where college football is right now. It's very disappointing to see, and I think, you know, as much as Kirby and the players enjoyed a 60-point victory, you know, I think they would have liked to have got the Seminoles at full strength. Uh, Jordan, uh, we talked about it in a couple of the first segments of the show. Uh, the comments from Kirby Smart, you know, how do you fix college football? There, I said that there were more teams that should have been in the that could have been in the playoffs, could have been in the Final Four in the top ten than there's ever been. How do Georgia fans feel like watching that game and and understanding that they won't be playing for a national championship Monday? You know, uh, what, what's the uh, what's what's the fix there other than, you know, expanding the college football playoff? Well, I do think that will help because obviously you'll have more teams still playing in. And I think you're right. I mean, there were so many teams that I think could have gotten in the playoff and, you know, fought for it and had a chance to win it. Um, other than that, you know, it's going to be really interesting if there are any solutions. I like the idea that some have thrown out about the bowls sort of putting up incentives that keep players from – opting out and I think that might help a little bit but you would still have this issue with the calendar because a lot of the issues and, and probably the biggest issue on Georgia's side was guys who had decided to transfer and it was just sort of the timing as when you take into account you know schools starting back soon and guys having to find new homes you know that incentive from the bowls wouldn't necessarily fix it we talked about this on the Junkyard Dogcast podcast earlier this week that I think it's more of a calendar issue more than anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the the most simple fix that could happen is moving the season up a little bit. And, you know, I know that people wouldn't like that. People are used to, you know, the start of September being the start of the football season. But I think it would make a lot of sense. I think it's also doable. You know, my immediate thought when you suggest that is, man, it's going to be super hot for some of those early games. But uh, as y'all know as well as I do, High school football, you know, starts probably two, three, four weeks before college football, so it's certainly doable as far as putting those guys out there uh, when it's still, you know, pretty warm out. So uh, it's definitely a mess. You know, when Kirby said what he said, he did not offer any solutions. and uh, You know, it's not something that he knows the fix, only that there needs to be a fix. So we'll be really fascinated if we see any changes. But to me, uh, the most realistic, the one that I think more people – could ultimately get behind and we could actually see happen is the calendar shifting a bit maybe starting to see a little bit earlier hmm that's that's inter- i haven't i'll be completely honest with you jordan i have not heard a ton of people 
talk about moving the season start time up. And it's an interesting topic and an interesting idea. And you're absolutely right. The very first thing that popped into my head when you said that was, if I have to go watch a game at Jordan-Hare Stadium in the 1st of August, I may die. I mean, I may absolutely die. Like, I mean, it's the same thing in Athens and in Tuscaloosa, anywhere in the SEC. State of Texas, are you serious? Like, it would be brutal. But, yeah, high school football plays in August. So, I mean, maybe that is the fix, is, is to move the season up. So I, I kind of like that idea. Yeah, I mean, I got to give credit to my co-host Kip Adams and Benjamin Walt. They sort of threw it out there because it was something I really had not considered. But, you know, again, like for me, my initial thought was, yeah, make the incentives for the Bulls, keep those guys. But guys are still going to go in the portal during that window because, like I said, you know, right. they got to get to new schools. So I, the only thing that makes sense to me as far as timing is going to be to move the season up. Now, I don't know if that's even being pitched right now, but when you sit down and really try to brainstorm, to me, that's the most obvious way to do it is to move the season up a little bit. Well, when the NCAA reaches out to hire Jordan Hill and make him the new president of college football, we know where the idea came from when Auburn and, and Georgia are playing on or on August, you know, twelfth in the third year or third week of the season. So uh, we'll know who to give credit to and also uh, who to blame, Mister Jordan Hill of Dogs Two Four Seven, who's joining us on the phone lines right now as he does every Wednesday uh, for Rivalry Wednesday here on ESPN One Hundred Six Seven. When it comes to the playoff games that actually happen, Jordan between Alabama, Michigan, and then. Washington and Texas I said I was going to ask you this question and I'm excited to hear your answer given how all four of those teams played and given how the games played out plus how Georgia played in their bowl game and what you saw from them in the previous weeks in the SEC championship game how well do you think Georgia would have fared against any four of those teams in any game in the semifinals since they were on the outside looking in well, I think Georgia could have given any of those teams a game and, and had a shot to win. You know, it's something that I think has been sort of funny since the playoff. I've seen uh, different people on social media saying, you know, well, how would Georgia be favored in these games? You know, I think Georgia was a championship caliber team, and I don't think you can really argue against it. The problem is they lost at the point in the season when they could not lose. You know, they lost a game against Alabama that, for all intents and purposes, was a play-in game. And, you know, I wrote about it the Sunday that the playoff was released. You know, Georgia really doesn't have anyone to blame but themselves. I mean, they sort of knew what was at stake, the fact that Alabama was still in contention. And, you know, you can thank Auburn for that because, uh, you know, if they would have held on that fourth and 31, you know, I don't think um, Alabama would have made it, obviously. So, yeah, I mean, I, I understand there's been a lot of Georgia fans who said, oh, you know, we blew it, you know, if we would have beaten Alabama. And I think, it's a fair mindset, but I do think that the, it would have been a good game against any of these teams in the playoff. I think uh, this year's stack and group of playoff teams was super, super talented. I know, for one, I, I'm really excited to see the championship game. I, I think it's a very entertaining game between Washington and Michigan. Jordan, before we move on to basketball this weekend and, and the Bulldogs traveling to Missouri for a uh, tough opener in conference play, I want to talk to you real quick about K.J. Bolden. And there were some, been many interesting comments that have come from Bolden in articles ever since he committed to uh, Georgia and after uh, the early signing period on uh, twelve twenty. This quote right here is one that catches my eye. Quote from K.J. Bolden, five-star 
mega recruit and star safety who committed to Georgia, allegedly over FSU. A lot of people around here think it was over Auburn. NIL money, that's like short-term money. What does he mean by that? I think the biggest thing is sort of something that Kirby, when he has been asked about NIL, has been that he wants guys to understand that you know they can make money if they come to Georgia. But his focus is to get those guys to the NFL and to try to look big picture and look 10, 15 years down the road and not just whatever you can get uh, for signing with a team, those initial NIL deals. Kirby has always really emphasized the value of looking at where you can be developed. And you look at you know, where K.J. Bolden plays, safety, guy that will be in the secondary you know, I think what it was for KJ was looking at Georgia and seeing how they have consistently developed defensive backs, how they have consistently sent guys to the NFL. And, you know, when you look at big picture, short-term money as far as NIL versus what you could earn if you develop, if you play at Georgia, if you learn from guys like Kirby Smart uh, and Will Muschamp, you know, there's more money down the road that can be made if, you go to Georgia, and uh, you're able to follow in the footsteps of some really good defensive backs. Well, it sells so far, and, and some other news for Georgia football before we do get to a little bit of basketball. Of course, Brock Bowers, uh, who has been a high-level NFL uh, prospect, he did d- decide to go and put his name into the NFL draft. And again, just no, no surprise there, he's going to be uh, one of the best in the NFL. Let's talk a little basketball before we let you go, though, Jordan. And if people haven't been paying attention... Georgia is quietly 10-3 and this season, and the three losses were Oregon to start the year, number 12 Miami, and Providence, and they, hang in, they hung in all three of those games, and they go into SEC play on an eight-game winning streak on the road at Missouri this Saturday, as Uncle T-Bone said, what's going on with this Georgia team, man? They are uh, well, maybe a little sneaker, uh, sleeper team there in the SEC. Yeah, I know one thing, Jacob. We're going to learn right away if they are going to be a sleeper, if they're going to be a team that contends, because they play at Missouri. They host Arkansas. They host Tennessee. Not long after that, they go to South Carolina, who I thought, hey, you could kind of pencil that in. South Carolina had a great non-conference run, uh, and then they play at Kentucky. But, Brutal. Yeah, I mean, no, that's, that's rough. Very, very tough to start conference play. But, yeah, you know, I think they deserve a lot of credit. The schedule was much harder in non-conference play compared to last year win 10 games again, just as they did last year. I think the biggest thing to me when you go into these games coming up, uh, Georgia just got to do a better job rebounding. It has been an issue throughout the season. Even going when they played like high point in December, they gave up 15 offensive rebounds in the first half. Oh, my gosh. Against a team like High Point, you should definitely have the size advantage to be able to win on the board. So there's a lot to like. I think they've had a lot of guys step up, uh, particularly a pair of freshmen in Blue Cane and Silas Demery Jr. And then Jabri Abdur-Rahim, who's been there for a few years now, has been their leading scorer, and I think is well-positioned to continue that. So there's a lot to like, but uh, definitely going to learn a whole lot in these next two weeks. they got some really tough tests on the schedule. They're going to have to rise to the occasion if they're going to continue to uh, keep on winning like they did in December. Jordan, one more thing, and then we will, I uh, promise, we'll get you out of here. A player to watch for Georgia going into SEC play. Who's a guy that uh, Auburn fans need to have their eye on and really people in the SEC? I think it's Noah Thomason. He is their shooting guard, a guy they got from Niagara. He was a guy that, watching the film in the offseason, I thought had a chance to be their leading scorer. 
He's actually second behind Jabri Abdul-Rahim. It seems like he sort of picks his spots, which I think is a good thing. He's not going to be a volume shooter that just hopes it's going to hit. You can kind of see the games where he recognizes his teammates are better suited to be the shooters. He's a really talented guy. He handles ball well. Uh, he's a lefty, so a, a fellow lefty here. I'm always going to to push uh, those guys. Ah, uh, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, right, exactly. But uh, no, he's a really talented guy. I think he's done a good job in his first couple months at Georgia. Going to learn the hard way what it's like playing in the SEC, but I, I think he's a very talented guard and a guy that Georgia's going to have to count on uh, to deliver some big buckets in these games. Well, you and I have talked about it in the past. I mean, I think Auburn fans, as much as they dislike Georgia, they would like to see the dogs be competitive in the SEC and make even and make SEC play even better because this conference is good and maybe Georgia can can survive that brutal stretch to open up conference play. We'll see what Georgia becomes. We'll be talking about basketball with you for many, many weeks to come. Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Let everybody know where they can find you, all your wonderful coverage uh, for everything going on in Georgia athletics. Appreciate that. Dogs247.com on Twitter at Jordan Davis Hill on Twitter at Dogs247. want to also say uh, everyone go follow at Benjamin Wolk co-worker is actually down in san antonio for that all-american bowl uh, he is following all the georgia recruits and commits down there george signees i believe there's a few auburn guys there as well yep. so uh, definitely worth to follow to see what's going on in san antonio awesome man hey as always thank you so much for your time we're excited to have another year with you on the program and uh, we'll talk to you next week about some more football things and of course college basketball all right, sounds great, guys. Thanks so much. That's Jordan Hill of Dogs Two Four Seven. Uncle T Bone, you uh, you shook your head when I said about Georgia being better at basketball, huh? You didn't no, you didn't agree with that? Nobody around Auburn wants Georgia to be <laughs> any better at basketball. That doesn't make our lives any easier in the recruiting firm. Oh around come on, Atlanta. come on! And I can promise you, there's plenty come of old on. school George, uh, Auburn fans that I know that despise Georgia. Just as no offense to Mister my friend Jordan Hill, but despise Georgia just, even more than I. Alabama it's uh, you know look when Georgia's good at anything it doesn't make our life any easier that's fair that's a fair point in the last 10 seasons we're one in 10 against them in football Ooh. so you want them good at basketball no thanks 334-321-1390 give us a call as we wrap up hour number one we'd love to hear from you we got so much more to go over here on the show today we'll wrap up hour number one here on ESPN 1067 when we come back are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up the first hour here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. As always, we are very, very thankful for uh, Jordan Hill and his time and his wonderful information uh, about the Georgia Bulldogs. Go check him out, man. 247, they know what they're doing. And uh, he didn't say it there, but he normally does. If you are subscribed and paying for the 247 Auburn subscription you get all the content for dogs 247 it's the same subscription so they've got their free stuff and then they have their extra stuff so um if you're into that you can go check that out at dogs247.com he does a wonderful job and we always enjoy having him on here for rivalry Wednesday got a couple of minutes and we were still talking the playoff stuff Uncle T-Bone and before he came on we were talking about the final play for Alabama yeah, I still got some more thoughts on that we got uh, a couple minutes yeah, man shoot I read, uh, this is a perfect example of this play also you got to go out there and watch that play and do a little research, folks. The uh, if, if why the NIL 
excuse me, why the transfer portal does work in a lot of cases in, in college football and, and creates some opportunity for some guys who may coming out of high school don't get the quite looks from a program like Michigan or Alabama. If you'll watch that play, the right guard for Alabama, J.C. Latham, who's all world and probably going to the NFL, gets absolutely blown up. Mm-hmm. He just, I mean, it creates even more havoc in that play. It might be one of the main reasons why the play failed other than the, the low snap and maybe the play call itself. The defensive lineman who blew him up, I'm going to look his name up, but I saw this earlier on ESPN, started his career at Coastal Carolina. How about that? And was there for quite some time, developed there, and, you know, basically got a call up from the minor leagues to the big leagues and good for him. How about that? A Coastal Carolina NIL player blows up a four- or five-star Alabama offensive line to blow that play up. That's pretty amazing. Well, and not only that, but you know, we mentioned earlier how the low snap affected that play tremendously because Milrow was standing there waiting for the snap. He had to go down and catch it basically near his calf, which if you are unfamiliar with the anatomy of the human body, it's right there about between your knee <laughs> it's and almost your on ankle. The ground. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's literally reaching down near the turf to go down for the football. So then that throws the timing off completely because then you have to delay another at least a second to go down for that ball and then bring it back up to tuck it into your underarm and then you make the play, right? Then you run because he was running and maybe – right? You can play our favorite game, the what-if game. What if that was a better snap? What if that's right there at the belt? Maybe he does dump it off, right? Maybe he does have a play action where he throws it to somebody else or has some different option, but maybe Milrose said, well, crap, I don't have any time. I got to go. I kind of think that's what happened. Maybe if that McLaughlin kid didn't uh, have a bad snap in the Iron Bowl, the play before 4th and 31, 4th and 31 would have never happened. Yeah, where was he in the Iron Bowl, man? I mean, he won y'all that game, and now you're showing him the door? Come on, guys. Give the kid a break. He's in the transfer portal. Alabama center after a rough night in the Rose Bowl. He'll be looking for a new home. We'll talk more about college football, Auburn in particular, some transfer portal things as well when we come back. Hour number two coming up. Don't go anywhere. The following is an Auburn Network production. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika, sports leader. 
Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Rivalry Wednesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. I'm Jacob Goins with you in the studio. Joining me as he does every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, it is Uncle T-Bone in the studio. We're talking all things Auburn football, basketball, college football, college basketball, you name it, and we got it. That's what we do for you here during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. It's the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. If you missed any of our number one, you can go and catch it with the podcast. We post it commercial-free after each and every show, so you can go and find that. Uh, you can uh, find that at our station website, ESPNAU.com. Uh, all of our previous shows are there. The drive shows are there. Uh, you can find all of that at ESPNAU.com, or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. We talked about the Auburn basketball game last night against Penn, their 20-point win. Uh, we talked a little transfer portal news from Tuscaloosa and Alabama as their starting center is in the transfer portal after a rough night in Pasadena, California. We also talked about and talked to uh, Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 about the Georgia Bulldogs and their win over Florida State and how they would have done in the college football playoff. Also a little basketball talk there as well so that was all in hour number one again you can go and catch up with that later on today at espnau.com here in hour number two we're going to start by getting to the phone lines in just a second we'd love for you to be a part of the show on the phone lines as well 334-321-1390 whatever you want to talk about basketball football hockey if you want to i know people yell at me when i bring that up but hey whatever you want to talk about we'd love to hear from you on the phone lines 334-321-1390 and that's where we begin hour number two and matt you're on the line with jacob goins and uncle tebow Hey guys, how y'all doing today? Doing good, man. Great to hear from you. Hey, good, good to talk to y'all. Um, I've, I've been listening to the show for a while, and I'm, I'm a big fan uh, of, of you know after the game and the drive. And, oh, good. Appreciate and, that. Appreciate yeah, that. Used, used to love the lunch break. I miss it. But uh, anyway, uh, I just wanted to call in, and I wanted to back Uncle T Bone because I'm I'm I, okay. I'll date myself a little bit. I'm I'm not quite as old as some, but I'm older than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, I graduated high school in 1995. Uh, okay, and I grew I grew up. I live up here in God's country on Lookout Mountain in, in Northeast Alabama. There you go. But uh, I grew up, born and raised in Lawrenceville, Georgia. So smack in the middle of Bulldog Nation. Uh, as an Auburn fan, yes, I hate both Georgia and Alabama. <laughs> uh, I want Auburn to be great at all sports, and I want both of them to to fall on their face in all sports. Uh, that would not hurt my feelings a bit. Now, however, having said that, uh, a little backstory on Georgia fans. Uh, I grew up with a whole bunch of Georgia fans that, as a little kid in elementary school, when Herschel Walker was dominating the scene, all of my friends in elementary school were big time dog fans, and, and all you got was you know go dogs this blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we morph on into the early mid nineties, and I'm in high school. Suddenly, Georgia is not very good anymore, uh, and Florida State and Miami are dominating the scenes. Well, so many of my Georgia fan fan friends in elementary school were now all of a sudden in high school sporting Florida State Miami. Kids. Yeah, I could feel a flip coming in that story. Uh, absolutely. And uh, and now, you know, of course, they're all back to wearing the red and black. And uh, all their kids, you know, that are my kids' age, I know they grew up, you know, loving Georgia because, you know, when Mark Rick took over, it got Georgia back on the map and they became good and successful again. So, yeah, all the kids nowadays in their you know early, mid-20s that grew up while Georgia has been good, sure, they're, they're not wishy-washy. But I promise you, all their mamas and daddies were pulling for Florida State and Miami back in the 90s. Hey-oh! <laughs> yes! What day! Go. What day! Yes, and, 
What and that's I can attest to it because, like I said, I grew up smack in the middle of it. So yeah, they can't I hear you, man. What was the date of the SEC championship game this year? It was a Saturday, December what fifth, uh, fourth, somewhere in there, something like that. Yeah, yeah, say it's December fifth on December sixth. <laughs> if you'd have drove thirty miles to the east over there into Columbus. Uh-huh. And into the into the heart of all those river rats, you'd have seen more Alabama flags uh-huh. than you've ever seen on cars in your life. You wouldn't have seen a Georgia flag anywhere. Absolutely. And in and and in 2010, you'd have seen Auburn flags everywhere. And in 2019, you, I didn't know this. There was that many LSU fans in Columbus. Right. They will jump off that barking bandwagon faster than you've ever seen a head spin, buddy. In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Mm, mm, mm. But yeah, I just I have I have I've held that story. I've I wanted to call so many radio shows and and give that story so many that. times, and I just never have had the opportunity until right now. And uh, yeah, when uh, when he was talking about you shaking your head to no sir, yeah, <laughs> to, to people wanting Jordan, no, I don't. Matt, I do straight, so you're streaming, you're streaming us up there on Sand Mountain. Yeah, uh, yeah, yes, up in North Alabama. Awesome, Be- yes, beautiful, sir. beautiful part of the state. I got family up there, man. Yeah, man. So we appreciate right. the call, man. Say so you can well, get thank in you for there. Me tell it. Yeah, yeah, thanks so, so much, Matt. Great to hear from you, man. That thanks off so much. Matt's chest here on on the line streaming. Just we love stream. That. I mean, we people are streaming all over the world listening to us, Jacob. That's so what they say. Just call I mean, on in. That's what they say. Get on in. 334. Let me make sure I got the number right. I got it wrong yesterday. 334-321-1390. There you go. You can get in just like Matt Stream. He's been saving that story his entire life, folks. I mean, can you feel it? And I'm with you, man. I will admit this. And I would be anyone my age. I'm cla- He said he's class of 95, high school, I'm class of 93. Anyone from about 95 and younger who grew up during the early 80s, I don't care who you cheered for, everybody was a Herschel Walker fan. Well, I mean, he was, I mean, I mean he, he was, was unreal. He was it. I mean, he was like a face of college to football. To me, he was one of the first true rock stars of college football. Now there were, a f- and that's back, Jacob, when the tailback was it. Mm-hmm. That was the premier position. Eric Dickerson, right? Mike Rozier, yeah. Billy Sims. I mean, you're talking about some big George Rogers, William Andrews, and James Brooks. You had to have a premier guy back then, and Herschel Walker came along and blew them all out, and then Bo Jackson came right after him. Well, here's my question for you guys. And Matt, thank you so much again for calling, man. Very glad that you did. And hey, call back more, man. We'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. And anybody else, 334-321-1390. Here's my question. Were they still barking back in the 80s? Did they bark at people in the 80s and 90s? Did that, I mean... They've been barking at people since the 1880s. (laughs) Yes. I mean, Georgia fans are rabid. Uh, I got a good friend of mine. And we're going to have to get him in. And I'm going to go ahead and give him a shout-out because he was a sponsor of the the pregame show. My good friend Kevin Tudhope over there at Byron. yeah. And uh, Big Tud's a, a, a good good Auburn man, and he told me this story. I could never believe growing up in Auburn that anybody would hate a team more than Alabama that were Auburn fans. And I, he told me that his dad, and they were next-door neighbors, his dad was next-door neighbors to Vince Dooley when he was a coach at Auburn, and they were best friends. And when Vince Dooley called him to say, 
I'm leaving Shug's staff and I'm taking the head coaching job at Georgia that Big Tud's dad hung up the phone and said, I'll never talk to you again and never did. Wow. And they were best friends. Wow. This is an old school hatred. You got to remember this too, Jacob. For really old school Auburn fans, Auburn and Alabama took like a 40-year hiatus. Yeah. They just quit playing. Right. But you knew who they were playing every year after that. They were playing in Columbus. They were playing in Atlanta. They were playing in Athens. They were playing in Auburn. And that was Georgia. I mean, that's the Deep South's oldest rivalry right there, my friend. Well, uh, our good friend Ben Taylor, who uh, our station manager here and, and is host of Auburn and Balaka this morning over on News Talk oh, yeah. WA and I, he, uh, he says, I'm a 1995 grad, and I never pulled for Herschel Walker. <laughs> so to tell Uncle T-Bone he's crazy and doesn't know what he's talking about. So how about that? Hey. I mean, all right. I, I love See, it, I tell you, Auburn fans, and, and Ben, you're, you're great, man. Give us a shout sometime. Come on the show. And uh, I'm telling you, Auburn fans don't like the dogs. No. They no. do not like them barking dogs because they can be rabid. Let me tell you another story. I'll never go to Athens again if I have to. Wow. Not just for a football game, but just to go. And I used to go every single year when Auburn would play over there when I got out of high school because we had a lot of people, for some reason, in my class go over there to the University of Georgia. And I had a good time up until about 1999 every single year. Never had any problems. All, that was Tommy Tuberville's first year. Auburn wasn't a very good football team. We went over there and we shocked Georgia and beat them down. And their fans were the sorest losers I've ever seen in my life. And I haven't been back since. And I don't think I'll ever go back. Really? Well, I'll fight my way out of out of Clark County. Well, I've been I've been to Athens a couple times, and I'm actually I've talked I've talked about this a few times on the show here, but every year. Uh, my dad and I and, and a group of our, our friends, we take a guy's trip every year. This will be year, oh goodness, I think year six now. And in basketball season, we take a we take a road trip to a different SEC road basketball game. We started this about five years ago and just going around the SEC and going to see different, you know, different venues, right? To go see a different Auburn road basketball game. We're going to Georgia this year. I've been to Georgia twice, I think, but I've never been to a basketball right. game there. So we're going there. We've been to... Went, Went to Vanderbilt last year. Lost. Cool. I mean, we we are zero and five on our trips. We've oh never seen Auburn win on the road. I've seen Auburn win in Tuscaloosa a few times, but this yearly guys road trip. Yeah, right. we're we're zero and five. And now you're going to Georgia this year. Yep. Thanks, guys. I'm sure Bruce Pearl's <laughs> really happy to hear that. But you gotta, man, yeah. on this Auburn Georgia thing, they got together for the first time in February of 1892. And Dr. George Petrie was the Auburn coach. Dr. Uh, Dr. Herty, I can't remember his first name, was the uh, Georgia coach. They were classmates at either Virginia or Johns Hopkins, where they both got their doctorates. That's when the football first started. They brought the game to both of these states, really, uh-huh. and, and really kicked it all off in Atlanta. And for a long time, they played. And most of the time, from the history, I know that it was a pretty – decent rivalry Georgia fans are a little bit rougher than Auburn fans I believe that's just my personal opinion but uh you know it's kind of like cousins and there was a lot of interchange in there coach Dye played at Georgia coach Dooley played at Auburn and then they coached at the subsequent schools I don't know what if it's a chicken or egg thing I think it all started in 2007 when it got really ugly between these two teams, mm-hmm. when the Soldier Boy game and Auburn went over there and Georgia was in all their black jerseys and they just rubbed it in our face in, Tuber- in Tuberville's next to last year. They claim it started in 2010 when Nick Fairley just master blasted their entire <laughs> offensive line. But I can tell you this, 
what I saw after this year's Auburn-Georgia game was a lot better sportsmanship than I've seen in a long time. And you can tell that Kirby Smart and Hugh Freeze have a lot of respect for one another. Oh, so yeah. I hope it gets back to being more of a cousin – type football game and rivalry instead of a, a really hated one. There's enough teams to hate on. We don't really need another bad enemy in, in Georgia. And they really don't need us because they've got a lot of they've got a lot of rivalries as well. Oh yeah. And you know, in my lifetime and going on going on twenty four years this month, um, Georgia has always been They've always been there, and you always hated them. Here's how I always described it. I grew up in Ohio, right? I've been an Auburn fan my whole life. I'm born down here, but I grew up most of my time in Ohio. Most people know that here on the show. Here's how I would describe these two rivalries for Auburn, the Alabama game and the Georgia game, right? And the Alabama rivalry and the Georgia rivalry. You hated Georgia during Georgia week, right? Georgia week came around, and you just hated them. And we do. We always have hated Georgia, but... Growing up for most of my time, you didn't just have a year-long hatred for Georgia. You didn't think about them that much until it got closer to that game because it was always late in the season. You hate Alabama 365 days a year. I mean, it's just constant. And, and no matter what, if they're competing in underwater basket weaving, you hope that they lose, right? And so that's how I would always describe it. But I think in the last couple of years with the success of Georgia because of what they've done, I mean, Auburn Auburn held that 40 years over their head. Oh, they held time. that number so long over right. them because they hadn't won and been relevant for so long, right? That's the only thing Auburn fans were really holding on to with Georgia to have that little bit of an edge, and then it all flipped, and Georgia started winning national championships. I think it got even it just turned the knob up even more on the rivalry then when Georgia found their coach of the future, their Nick Saban-esque type of coach with Kirby Smart winning back-to-back national championships. Yeah, well, in the last 10 seasons, we've had five coaches, including two interns, and they've had one. They've been the most or second most successful program in the SEC since 2014. They're on sound footing for as long as Kirby Smart wants to stay there. Uh, some of the rumors that were kind of breaking a little bit in December, I never really bought into him that he was kind of flirting with the Falcons or that the Falcons were really kind of flirting with him. And, and he's got a better job at Georgia. You know, we're 1-10 against them in the last 10 seasons. That's not much of a rivalry. I'm with you, though. I guess it's because we had so much success about with, against them when I was coming up. It was so much more. It was a fun game. I looked forward every season to the Auburn-Georgia game. Because I really did kind of feel like it was more like, you know, you're going in the backyard to play basketball or football against your cousin who's your best friend. You don't want to lose to them, and you sure want to beat them, but, you know, that's still kind of your equal. That's your family, Mm -hmm. right? And no one likes to lose in anything, but your family's your family. The game against Alabama I look forward to with dread every year growing up. Now it's kind of flipped for me. The Iron Bowl to me is just a lot of fun. I don't know why. It's because perhaps, although we haven't been very good against Nick Saban, we've just been about better than anybody else in the SEC against him. Yeah. But we've been putrid against Kirby Smart in Georgia. He's kicked our butt on the recruiting trail. He's kicked our butt on the field. And I'm sick and tired of it. And I feel like University of Pennsylvania, like we talked about earlier coming in here last night, it's time to get chippy against them dogs. Let's start barking back. There you go. Hey, we'd love to hear – at least biting back. We'd love (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> I love it, man. I will look, that was look at what look at what Matt has done. He sparked a whole conversation that we didn't even know we were going to have today, and that happens all the time. And we love it. And you we can love do it too. Just that. give us a call. 
334-321-1390. Give us a call. Your thoughts on the Georgia Bulldogs. Why not? Let's do that here on a Wednesday afternoon. Anything else you want to talk about, we'll start talking. I do want to finally kind of wrap up our college football playoff conversation too. And then the back half of the show in this second hour, we've got some portal updates to talk about for Auburn. We've got some NFL draft guys to talk about for Auburn. Lots of things to get to in this second hour. 334-321-1390. All that coming up here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Let's get back to the phone lines here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. And this guy's already apologizing. I don't know, man. We're going to find out. Terry, you're on the line, man. How are you? Hey, Jacob and, and T-Bone. How y'all doing today? We're doing fine, man. Do you got something to talk about with uh, hey. with the Georgia Bulldogs? Guys, I'd rather get a lap dance from Roseanne Barr than pull for Georgia. <laughs> oh, so that's how no. I feel about them there dogs. Oh, no. Oh, Ooh, goodness. I told you, Jacob, man, the Auburn fans just not going to stand for Georgia being good in anything these days. I mean, and it was a hot, uh, it was a hot take by me. It was. And, and I'll tell you what, it would especially be painful in basketball because, like you said, a few seconds ago that, you know, Auburn kind of dominated Georgia for so long and held that 40 years over them, and then the tables were turned. Well, Auburn's been dominating Georgia in basketball for quite some time, and Bruce Pearl has dominated Atlanta recruiting over them dogs. That would be a tough pill to swallow if all of a sudden they flipped the switch on us with that one. Do you remember the commercial that Coach died eventually did about he went to you know, Coach? I said he went to Auburn, now coaches at Georgia, and he went to Georgia, and now coaches at Auburn. Yeah, I, I kind of sort of remember that. Yeah, so I always found that, that that's kind of what fueled the rivalry. That's why Coach Dye was brought into Auburn to bring back those old rivalries. Now I want to ask you guys a question. I want your opinion on something. Okay. All, we expect all those receivers to play next year, and I don't, I'd be surprised if they didn't, quite honestly. Uh, let's be totally honest with each other. Wouldn't it make sense to start a young quarterback and get that rapport established? Why not Hank Brown? Well, I think that Hank Brown, I think Walker White, I think that uh, Holden, Holden, uh, Gernier, I think that Peyton Thorne, and if they decide to bring somebody else in at quarterback, is going to get every opportunity to win that job beginning spring practice, probably right now watching film and working out as well. Yeah, Tim, I just don't – I don't think – I don't know. Auburn fans don't have any faith in Peyton Thorne. I think he's just a seven-win quarterback. Just to get them through, I think the future future will be a lot brighter with someone like Brown. And if you're going to be young everywhere, why not be young there too? Well, if you can win seven with Brown or you can win seven with Thorne, I'm with you. Um, you know, there are no guarantees in that. I am going to say this, that after seeing the last month of Auburn football, um, I do true, and this is no excuse, Terry, and you know I'm not an excuse giver, but this is the most broken – uh, and I did not realize how broken this roster was uh, coming into a season that I've seen in my lifetime. Yeah, we we knew that Harson didn't care and didn't recruit. It, 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 it the means, last two years of Gus Malzahn Sr., he really didn't care. No, didn't no yeah, he didn't. Exactly. He didn't. And, and look, I, the That's re- where it all started, was right there. Right, and the reason I say that is that I just think, and you don't want to hear it, and I don't want to say it, but Auburn fan, if Auburn goes out there and gets eight wins next year and, and, and they, they get a big win and they're moving in the right direction, that's honestly all I'm looking for. I do not expect the Tigers, after what I've seen this season, what I understand about this roster, I believe that there's either one or two seniors going to be there next year. One, Jarquez Hunter, 
I mean, that that is that that roster is barren. So it's going to take a minute. This is going to be a longer rebuild than I thought it would be. Well, I've heard a lot of people say this, and I'm going to go ahead and say it. They weren't upset with Auburn losing. They were upset with the way they performed in the bowl game. Correct. No that is that is 100%. That's your, your spot on. Thanks so much, Terry. 334-321-1390. And that's, what, that's kind of what I said was – because and that's where we were getting in the conversation to start the week yesterday was, you know – We've talked about how bowl games don't matter, but then when we lose a game, we get upset, right? And Auburn fans get upset. They say the games don't matter, but then when they lose, you get upset. That's not what we're saying. Terry, what Terry just said is exactly right. The bowl games may not matter if you're not in a New Year's Six or the college football playoff and what's going to be the expanded playoff. Does the Music City Bowl technically matter for anything? No. But, like Daryl Dappert said yesterday, it does go on your record. It goes on your overall record that goes into the record books when you Google it and look it up. So, sure, the game does matter in that instant. And the problem that Auburn fans have, and somebody like myself who has been covering this team and talks about this team on a daily basis and has grown up watching this team, they suck in bowl games. And it's tiring. It's annoying. It's frustrating. And it's hard to get excited for a bowl game when you inevitably know the results, and it's not because Auburn lost. If they would have lost a barn burner to Maryland, fine, you can understand that. But you go out and get embarrassed by a second and third string Maryland team, that's where Auburn fans are getting fired up, and that's where guys like you and me, Uncle T-Bone, get fired up here on ESPN. Yeah, you know, a couple of things on that. Auburn, in, in my fandom history, has never – as a whole been a win or die program there's very few of those in sports like kentucky basketball's win or die yeah right? alabama football's win or die you know championship or bust championship or bust i respect that uh but we're very realistic to a point uh but auburn fans are still fans and fans uh, are short for fanatics fans get excited and set unrealistic expectations I was very guilty of that going into this season when I first met you and came into the studio in August. Look, Hugh Freeze got – it's been terrible. Terry just said it. It wasn't just Brian Harson. It goes deep into Gus Malzahn too. I mean, the last ten seasons, what I like to call um, – excuse me real quick while I get this right – cynical mediocrity. That's what we've been doing. may even write an article about this, and we can discuss it even further one day. Because the last 10 seasons have been just beyond mediocre for, for, for old-school Auburn fans, and now we're cynical about it. Yeah. Java. You hear all the words, right? Yeah. And so – My question, though, so, is – So, listen, let me finish real quick. Yeah. Hugh Freeze comes in. He's barely here. He flips recruiting not this just year, but last year. Somehow, on Rivals, we ended up with the 15th-ranked class last year. That's strong for getting here in November. So he already creates a buzz. Then we get into the portal, and all these names are coming in, and they all got great stats from North Texas and Michigan State and uh, and J- Hollywood Hooks from Jackson State. And we're all getting we're, – we're back, right? We're ready to roll. We easily gonna cover that six games total that Vegas put on us, but you know who knows better? Vegas, Las Vegas, right? And so their building's a lot nicer than ours. When I walked out of the New Mexico State game, that was not an anomaly. Now Hugh Freeze and that staff can come out and say they didn't plan or they looked ahead at Alabama, whatever. They were a better football team than us. 
That's how bad this roster is, folks. And I hate to I hate to be like that, but we don't have the numbers. We don't have the stars. I think you're going to have to give it time. And if you don't, we're going to continue on to this revolution of coaches and 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 what did I call it? Cynical mediocrity for another ten years. You're going to have to be patient, Terry. But I know where you're coming from, brother. With everything that you just said, that is what Hugh Freeze is trying to change right now. That's what he's trying to do. Not only is he balancing NIL, transfer portal, bowl game, roster retention, recruiting, he's trying to rebuild a program, but he's also trying to rebuild a mindset in the Auburn fan base. Because it's true. And that's not saying anything bad about Auburn fans. We are Auburn people. But you talked about some programs being championship or bust, right? Or or you know, if you don't get to the heavens, you're done for. Like if you don't win 25 games in a basketball season, it's done. Or if you don't win a national championship in football, then it was a bad year. Why can't Auburn be that way? Why is Auburn not that way? That's a question I've been asking for a long time. And it's easy because we love Auburn and Auburn fans love Auburn and that's just kind of how it's been. But why can't it be that way where it's championship or bust? And that's not going to happen year one, year two, heck, even year three. But why not five, six years from now? Why can't that be the narrative? Because I'm starting to get that way with the basketball team and Bruce Pearl. That's right. We should start expecting Sweet 16s and Elite 8s and we're not getting there and we're being disappointed. Why can't we have that mindset with football? Yeah, I think it's a baby step type thing, right? It was yeah. when Bruce Pearl first got here. Well, let's try and let's try and make a run in the SEC tournament. Then let's try and make the NCAA tournament. Check, check. Let's try and make a little di- deeper run in the NCAA tournament. Let's win a couple of games. Check. Let's let's see how far we can go. Well, we're a double dribble away from winning a national championship or at least having the opportunity to. So it takes time. Pat took Pat Dye some time. It's a lot like when Dye got here, Jacob. Those 10 years, those nine years before he got here, they've been just as bad as these last nine. We'll talk some more Auburn football transfer portal and NFL updates when we come back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. He is Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins with you in the studio on a cold, rainy afternoon. No better day to sit in the studio and talk a little football than on a day like today. We normally have Austin Hannon from Bama Central. Unable to uh, have him on today. He had something come up, so we will pick back up with him next week uh, from Bama Central on this Rivalry Wednesday. But that gives us a perfect opportunity, Uncle T-Bone, to talk about the portal news from yesterday and we mentioned it briefly it happened during the show yesterday um, when we were wrapping up our conversation with uh, with Daryl Dapperich Double D who joins us every Tuesday there's a new quarterback at the transfer portal that Auburn seems to have their eye on pretty heavily and a lot of Auburn fans have their eyes on very heavily as well his name is Caden Salter and he's the Liberty quarterback who combined for almost 4,000 yards passing and rushing this season in Liberty, taking them to a New Year's Six Bowl against Oregon, played under Hugh Freeze, played again at Liberty this year, had them rolling, and again, like I mentioned, took them to a New Year's Six Bowl, and he's now in the portal, and that seems to be all Auburn fans can talk about the last 24 hours. 
Yeah, you know, I kind of felt like that Double D, uh, uh, I don't know, was kind of saying pump the brakes on this one when I mentioned him and that he would at least any type of quarterback that came in as a would have a, a couple of years of uh, eligibility that – that I, I personally don't believe that you're really going to go out there and for the money ball type money, right? Because there's only so many dollars to go around in NIL that you're going to, and unless it's Cam Newton Jr., that you're not really going to get anybody for for a million dollars, which they're asking for, like Cam Ward, or, or at least it's rumored to be better than Peyton Thorne. And, 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 and there's just only so many dollars to go around. I cannot continue to stress that, right? And, and mm-hmm. unless somebody wants to just get a checkbook out and NIL it and bring in somebody, you know, and, and that's their guy and they pay for it. But, but here's the thing. So I would like to see somebody come in, at least if you're going to pay for somebody to have a couple years experience. But, you know, there's a lot of talent still, or there should be in the quarterback room is just young and raw you say that and and I was having a conversation with with our buddy Jack Hutton and and some guys yesterday and we were talking about quarterback problems in the country in college football particularly at Auburn I mean Auburn's had a quarterback problem for a while uh, and they just have I mean Bo Nix was great he had his ups and downs but the consistency factor was a problem. and he, since, did, he didn't have the help that he needed no, while he was here. He had three offensive coordinators in three years. Like, yeah. what do you want the guy to do? I saw a stat where it said that he took 50 sacks while he was at Auburn. In those three years, he took 10 while he was at Oregon for in, two. In two years. So, do the math. And the guy was sitting in New York for a Heisman ceremony. I right. don't think he was the problem. And then since he left, what has Auburn done at quarterback? Not a ton, Right. And so, yeah, it's been weird. I mean, uh, we've gone through uh, T.J. Finley, we've gone through Robbie Ashford, we've gone through Peyton Thorne. Who am I missed? And I feel like I'm missing somebody. But you say there's not enough NIL money to go around, but I disagree. If you want a good quarterback, find the money and go buy one. Because guess what? It's 2024. You can do that now. You can literally write a check and go find a quarterback. And so, here's my statement before we get to the phone lines. You should never, as a top 15 all-time college football program like Auburn is, in today's age of college football in 2024, as we sit here on January 3rd, with NIL and the transfer portal, you should never, ever, again, have a quarterback problem. Because you can always go buy one. Do I agree with that that process no I hate it but there is never ever a reason for you to have a true quarterback problem in your program I'm not saying you gotta you're gonna go and get a Heisman Trophy winner every year but you shouldn't have to go into an offseason and really be questioning over the summer who's gonna start in August I just can't but I can't fathom that anymore when you can go and purchase a quarterback room nowadays. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, but, you know, what I what I mean by there's only so many dollars to go around, it's like, you know, uh, there's a lot of NIL money that has to be thrown around by, 
in in on the the high school recruiting trail now. I mean, and and you're gonna have to get the weapons. So I mean, like I said, I mean, it's just not like there's a money tree in in OTV or you know. I mean, there there are limitations to how many dollars you spend. How are you going to spend them? I mean, are you gonna go get the Cam Coleman's of the world and the Perry Thompsons and the quarterback and the offensive lineman and the defensive lineman? You know, I, I'm with you. But this Caden Salter kid to me is uh, he's interesting. Six one two. 200 pounds, Cedar Hill, Texas, played at Liberty, 2,876 yards, 32 touchdowns, six interceptions, and he had a pile of rush yards to boot. Some comparisons by experts out there say he's Jaden Daniels like that remains to be seen. Let's get to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Specter, you're on the line with Jacob and Uncle T-Bone. Hello, fellas. Um, T-Bone, you hit some of, of uh, right on the head there. Uh, you know, let me go back to 2018, 2019. I brought this up several times on the radio that uh, our offensive line is awful, and it has been awful for five years. And that was Bo Nix's problem. Bo Nix is a great quarterback, and it, it, it proved itself by going out to Oregon with a good offensive line. Mm-hmm. And we have been – you can't say that we've had bad quarterbacks, well, with the exception of Peyton Thorne, but we've had good quarterbacks, and Stidham was here. Stidham is now a starting quarterback in the NFL. Got his first he win on his, Sunday. Yeah, he had his problems with the offensive line at Auburn, like most quarterbacks did. But it started with Gus Malzahn, and it has gone to this day. And I'm telling you guys right now, they better put their emphasis right now on the trenches, offensive and defensively. And that's where the game is won. That's where the protection is, is, is starts. Yeah. And if we, if we don't get those offensive lines in there to help these running backs and receivers and quarterback, we're going to have the same problem year in, year out. So I, I want to start hearing about offensive linemen coming in here, coming through the portal, not just the ones from Texas, State or whatever they came in last year, but I want some good offensive linemen coming in here. And you know, I, this guy from Alabama, he's a three-star. You know, like like T Bone said earlier, can he play guard or tackle? <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe court, maybe center is not his not his forte. Maybe he, he can't play center. But uh, you know. That's where we need to start, fellas. Yeah, right I'm with Specter. I think on the offensive line side of it, uh, in the trenches, that Auburn is in better shape than it's been in in years. Um, it's still not where it needs but it, to be. But it's not even close to where it needs to be to be high-level SEC. Uh, Gus Malzahn, that was one of the biggest frustrations I had with Gus Malzahn was the offensive line recruiting was brutal. Um, it wasn't much better of their horse. And, in fact, all of his recruiting was pr- pr- uh, pretty much brutal the Tigers will be I my opinion looking to add at least one offensive lineman out of the portal this uh this offseason and and they would love to get a uh get a tackle so they could move some of those guys like Wade inside where he needs to be yeah absolutely because Wade you know good guy I mean he's probably good offensive lineman but he wasn't playing his position Mm -hmm. and it showed it showed in game after game with with uh what illegal procedures and uh, holding calls, he's playing out of position. Just like this guy I'm talking about from, from Alabama. I mean, he may be playing out of his position. I don't know anything about him other than he played center for Alabama. 
Yeah, he he played. I think he had 25, 25 starts over three years for Alabama. Yeah, so maybe I don't know. I'm not yeah. saying go after him, but we need to look into his resume, and see what he can. Yeah, do. Yeah, can he play left tackle? I mean, I'm with you. Defensively, yeah. Auburn's already got a big uh, transfer coming in from Kansas, where they hit a home run last time with Marcus Harris out of Kansas. That's defensive lineman Gage keys they've lost a couple of guys out of the recruiting uh cycles one of them being a uh two of them being uh harson recruits one of them being steven johnson um an interior lineman who was a recruit last year and in hugh freeze's first year they've they've got some guys coming in that are already out of this year's recruiting class that are already on campus or soon to will be for spring practice that's a big bonus but you know they're going to want to add at least one more defensive tackle uh that and i'm with you if you don't have the interior defensive lineman if you don't have the offensive lineman you're not going to win games hey uh, let me ask you this maybe you got i haven't heard anything about it just the mention of his name but uh there's a offensive lineman out of LSU that went into the portal. Yeah, uh, Zalance Hurd, I believe, is his name. I'll have to double-check that. He was a former five-star. That would be a good one to get, you know. And, uh, look, I mean, the the offensive line, from the way I understand it, Spectre, and the way it's been told to me, that's that's a position that Auburn will, from here on out, from here to four, under Hugh Freeze, will be looking for guys out of the portal every year, even if it's just one guy. They're, they're, you, they can go somewhere else. They can develop for a couple of years, and and you can you can plug and play. But you're going to have to build that up, the majority of the offensive line out of your recruiting classes, and have those guys with you for two to three years in a system, and that's and with the same offensive line coach who's coaching them as one unit, and that's what never happened after, with Gus Malzahn, and, and, and it always seemed like we are rotating in and out offensive line coaches. Right, and, he was, and he was constantly changing his system from, from what was that run spread uh, to a pass spread and then to whatever spread he was trying to run at the end of his tenure. Yes. Well, I'm going to close with this. Jacob, you ever tried to do underwater basket weaving? No, I have not. It is absolutely almost impossible. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like they, it would they, be. They do it on naked and afraid all the time. Oh, okay. There you go. I, it's always a joke. <laughs> I've never seen it. Thanks thanks for the call, Spectre. Great to hear from you, man. 334-321-1390. I will say I've played water polo before. That's that, not an easy sport either. That is ridiculously hard. Yeah. They're tre- They're not walking on the bottom. They're treading and swimming. Yeah, they're that pool is water. deep that yeah. they're playing They're in. playing in Olympic swimming pools, and they're swimming back and forth, and they're treading water. Yeah, I give a lot of respect to those people. But, no, I think Spectre is, is, is got a lot of great points there. And it doesn't matter who you have playing quarterback. It doesn't matter who you have running down the sidelines catching the football. And it doesn't matter who you have running the ball because Auburn's had some really good running backs. If you don't have the guys up front, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it just doesn't click. I mean, and that, what I think that we're preaching more than anything here is consistency, and that's something that we've lacked really over the last 10 football seasons and uh, with multiple coaches and multiple offensive line coaches and multiple defensive coordinators or multiple offensive coordinators. Yet this program desperately needs some consistency, and that's the first step, right? A couple of years with the same assistants, with the same system, building up your roster, 
developing your talent, developing how you want to coach an offensive line, developing how you want to coach a defense. And, and that's the first step, really and truly, in my opinion, about what you asked earlier is how do you get to a championship level? You know, you've got to have a process. I hate to use that word because it was shoved down our throat from the very beginning of Nick Saban's tenure at Alabama, but it's true. It is true. And that's where you start, and that's what Auburn needs now. And the only way, as a fan, I can explain it to other fans is you just got to be patient. Well, this guy is a part of the future at Auburn. He's playing in the Under Armour All-American game that's going on right now. A couple of receivers, Ryan Williams down there playing right now. Perry Thompson, the Auburn signee, is down there playing right now. Ryan Williams is going off, by the way. But this guy, this guy signed... Gatorade player of the year. Mm -hmm. This guy is signed, sealed, delivered, and he is continuing on the the trend of kicker you, Mr. Towns McBoom. My man. Hit a 46-yarder down there. Drilled a 46-yarder. In the Under Armour Yeah, you notice game. how Jordan just kind of flippantly said, hey, I think y'all finally got some guys down there in this game on the recruiting. Look at Hugh Freeze kind of making a little noise on the recruiting trail. That Georgia had been number one or number two for the last five years, and, and Jordan Hill just kind of like, you know, it's about time you little guys got back in the That's game. Right. Good job. Well, hey, Jordan knows it better than anybody, man. He used to be over here covering Auburn. He knows what it's like over here. He knows, what, he knows what's going on. Well, let's take our final break. We'll come back and wrap up the Wednesday edition of on the line talking some more auburn football recruiting transfer portal uh, some nfl notes as well uh, there was a big a big announcement today uh, for a guy going into the nfl draft so that's coming up we'll wrap up the wednesday edition of on the line when we come back here on espn 106.7 you are on the line on espn 106.7 call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 winding down here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Got about five or six minutes left if you want to call in and wrap up the show with us. 334-321-1390. Been a great show. Um, lots of conversation about Auburn basketball. That's what we started the show with. Uh, we had Jordan Hill from Dogs 247 who joins us every Wednesday. Uh, he was on for Rivalry Wednesday back in hour number one. Uh, we talked Georgia football and their get their win over FSU and Kirby Smart calling for some changes in college football, which we all can agree are much needed. Uh, and also talked a little Georgia basketball as well. Then in this second hour, uh, it's been just kind of shooting from the hip a little bit. We had Matt call in to start the show and got us on a good conversation about uh, the Auburn-Georgia rivalry and uh, the very well-known hatred for Georgia that Auburn fans have and and um, a great story by Matt too so we appreciate him calling in and, and giving that story that was really really uh, interesting growing up over there and, and talking about maybe the uh, the flip-flop that the Georgia fans may or may not wear when it comes to fandom but we appreciate him calling in with that and then talking some transfer portal updates for Auburn football and this is not a portal update this is an NFL draft update uh, this guy posted a video today uh, declaring officially for the NFL draft Mr. 36 himself, Jalen Simpson, uh, has officially declared for the NFL draft. And not that this is a surprise, Uncle T-Bone. We knew he was gone. But, uh, man, it hurts to see a guy like that leave, man. He, he was locked down back there in, in the secondary for this team. And, sure. and uh, if he, you know, if he doesn't get, doesn't get banged up in the Georgia game, we'd probably win that game. And Brock Bowers doesn't do his thing. And, and uh, Jalen Simpson's a true Auburn man. And he, he's been through a lot during his time at Auburn. And uh, g- congrats to him and, and excited to see what he does in the NFL. Yeah, thank you so much for your time here at Auburn. And Auburn fans, wish him nothing but the best. That's going to be a, uh, a uh, tough uh, 
tough piece of talent right there to replace in the defensive backfield. But, uh, you know, this is the age we live in, and it's uh, uh, we were lucky to have them as long as we did, right? And, and these are players that could have left when times got tough, and they stayed and stuck it out. And there's a, there's several examples of that, hopefully, that we'll see again next year. And, and I hope that they get their payout that's well-deserved uh, in the NFL draft. He's a good guy and a, and a heck of a player. We're going to talk so much more about this over the next few days and weeks if it takes this long, but we were talking about the Liberty quarterback, Caden Salter, who is in the transfer portal. This is what we'll wrap the show up with. we got about four minutes here. This is a guy that gives off very similar vibes to a Robbie Ashford-esque type of player when it comes to just athletic talent. I've already seen people talk about and give make the Nick Marshall comparison here with the style of offense mm-hmm. that he was running at Liberty and what Auburn could use him for if they were to uh, to go after him and land him. And it really is crazy. We went we we had a good conversation about this yesterday, Uncle T Bone. But it's crazy how fast the narrative flipped for Hugh Freeze when it came to Peyton Thorne's our guy, Peyton Thorne's our guy, Peyton Thorne's our guy next year to one bowl game performance and this thing's wide open and not only has that changed and flipped seems like the entire Auburn fan base is on the same train same car on the track that says Auburn has to go out and get a quarterback in the transfer portal yeah you know look I can remember back in 2003 when Jason Campbell was our quarterback and uh, we were preseason number one and had a very very disappointing season and he didn't play that great uh, there were Auburn fans, including me, who said maybe we should take a look at the backup Brandon Cox at the time, who was a heck of a quarterback after Jason Campbell. But you know, oh, you Brandon get, Cox, man. you get a you get a new coordinator in there. Everything jives. You know, he gets to that last year. You get the pieces around him, and you saw what Jason Campbell could do finally when he was comfortable. I'm not I'm not writing Peyton Thorne off yet. And I'm also not certain from some of the people that just started texting me that Salter from Liberty is really the guy that Auburn's going to look at if they do make a change. There's a lot of news out there in the portal right now and a lot of rumors about players for Auburn. But when it comes to quarterback, I think that Hugh Freeze is going to, although his comments after the game were pretty eye-opening, I think that he's going to play this very close to the vest until it's settled moving into spring. Well, there's so many things you have to look at, too. I mean, you got to look at, obviously, the talent. Uh, you got to look at the throwing ability, the running ability, and the threat that he does bring. Talking about Caden Salter, the Liberty quarterback who has entered the transfer portal. There is history there. I mean, Hugh Freeze coached him for a minute. And... You also have to look at fit, right? You have right. to look at uh, you have to look at personality fit, and you have to look at mentality fit. I mean, all those things matter when you look at not just a quarterback, but any player in the transfer portal. Same way in high school recruiting. I mean, just because a guy's a big time five star, if you don't like the meetings with him and you don't get the right vibe from him, you don't. Sometimes you don't go after him. And and I'm not saying that's the case here. I'm just saying all those things are in play here when you start talking about Liberty quarterback Caden Salter. And I think most Auburn fans, not all, but most Auburn fans have, again, gotten on the on the side of the, the fence of Auburn has to go get somebody because there's not a whole lot of confidence in the room right now. And then there's a group within that group that says, well, do we go after somebody that's a just going to push the room, right? Do we just go and get a body? Or do you go to the portal and get your starting quarterback like Auburn did a year ago with Peyton Thorne? That's what Daryl Daffer exactly said yesterday. Yeah. 
And and I'm with him. I think that if you're going to go get a quarterback, you go get him, and you go get the dude. You get the guy. You get Cam Ward. If that's if that's who you think's the best guy that's going to give you an opportunity to win a couple more games next year, and even maybe even push towards the possibility of a college football playoff berth for Auburn, which I do not foresee, folks, next year. Just going to go ahead and put that out there. Uh, that's the guy. Don't get some guy who's just going to push Peyton Thorne. There's three other guys over there right now who are going to push Peyton Thorne. But I'm looking at this Salter guy, and I'm kind of looking at Liberty's schedule real quick. Oh, it's, What it's, was their big win oh, this year where brutal. he ripped all these people up? It's I mean, brutal. They did beat New Mexico State. hey But, you know, where's their big win? I mean, the, the only team that they went up against that was a top-10 team was Oregon, and they got pummeled in that game. Yeah, and that's something we're going to talk about tomorrow, Friday, Monday, Tuesday, as long as this thing goes. We're going to talk about Auburn football in the offseason, more basketball and all that. What is tomorrow, Thursday? We got Brad Law and Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. We'll have a good show. No Uncle T-Bone tomorrow. He'll be back on Friday. But until tomorrow, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 106.7. He's Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.